Welcome to the Faith Church Peshtigo podcast. You can connect with us online at faithpeshtigo.com. We're also on Facebook. Just search for Faith Church Peshtigo. Today's podcast features a conversation between Pastor Jay and Pastor Robbie talking about the sermon from October 17th, 2021. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Faith Church podcast. I'm your host, Jay Williams, and joining me is Robbie Helene. Hey, Robbie. Hey, Jay. I'm looking forward today to today to today. I'm looking forward to today. That why? doesn't sound like it. That didn't. That wasn't a very enthusiastic. Know, I'm looking forward a, to today. It was a really great. This is this is going to be a this great is day be today. Great. I'm really looking forward to this. Sounded I sarcastic. I Sounded ironic. I have no. I just I have a I have a little bit of an Eeyore voice. I can't help that. You can't. You I can't am, help that. You are the Tigger in this relationship. I am the Eeyore. Tigger. Well, Tigger's not very bright. I wouldn't say that. He's really? he's just he's impulsive. Just impulsive and he's kind of a bulldozer. Like, is he? Isn't he? I don't know. I my Winnie my Winnie the Pooh knowledge is limited, I will admit. Oh, fair enough. He bounces around. I whenever he's I I used friendly, to friendly, he's enthusiastic. Okay, so I used to always think that about him that he was yeah. friendly and enthusiastic. But if you read a book of like he seems very annoying like he annoys everyone oh well with the with the the scares overly enthusiastic he's well yes because piglet is the hyper introvert so he's either terrifying or annoying also the life of the party also the life of the party. well is it really are you really the life of the party if no one else is partying Like, you're starting the party. You're the party instigator. But if nobody else joins in, if their response is either terror or your like if they're Piglet or your <laughs> Christopher Robin just seems to be kind of an, like annoyed by him. Is that not right? Am uh, I am yeah, I mixing I my? I don't know. Maybe, maybe people maybe people who are listening to this annoyed might be an overstatement. Is it okay? Good. This maybe may, maybe this will be the thing that gets that gets a lot of listener feedback. Do people have really passionate opinions about Winnie the Pooh characters? I will find out. Do you know? Do people still know who Winnie the Pooh is? I, th- I think so. I would think so. You know what's funny is I think people know more about Eeyore because that that Eeyore has gone more into the common vernacular. I think that is true. Like pit- I have been, I have been accused of being an Eeyore. Yeah, you can be an yeah. Eeyore, but how many times do you hear someone say you're a Tigger? It's only if you started with Eeyore. And nobody ever gets called a piglet. Like if you're, like you might be Chicken Little. You gotta, like you gotta, there's too much context you have to explain before right. you call someone a piglet. Right. <laughs> you can't I try that. You can't just drop a piglet on uh, someone. You're such a piglet. Yeah. There's. Don't, don't be yeah, such a piglet. No, they're not. They're not try going. It. Winnie the Pooh is not their first reference for that. That's what I'm saying. Like it's a, nobody. Yeah. And you're, your is the one that goes through. Like in Winnie the Pooh. By the way, Winnie the Pooh is kind of Eeyore-ish. Right? He is. Like, Winnie the Pooh is the one who's not bright. Tigger's not the one who's not bright. Winnie the Pooh is the one who's who's just he's he's a simple guy, simple simple bear. <laughs> that sounds Paddington. Isn't Paddington? <laughs> they both like honey, because we all know bears like no, honey. No, Paddington's not honey. Paddington likes the uh, the marmalade. Marmalade. The marmalade sandwich, which is like honey. Elf. It's elf likes. No, he likes sweet. syrup. Elf likes syrup. That's true. Okay. This is. Are this we moving is, towards something productive? I feel like we're moving away. From so something. this weekend we continued our basic series uh, on. That was a seamless segue. Disciple making. 
That's what I'm known for. Seamless segues in chimpanzees riding on. I'm tracking now. Did that take so you, you meant you meant by segue you meant the little two wheeled <laughs> yep. mobile device yep. device that makes you and all of them are okay. seam, seamless. Those are all seamless. Anyway, so I so there's this message. I got back on the saddle this weekend. Did um, after you did a great job with the two, um, be or not belong, but um, be with and become like Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so then we kind of addressed the question of for what. To what end? What purpose? Yeah. Like, why? Why are we here? Why do we exist? What is God doing with us here? That's right. The fir- first three were like identity, right? So, who right. who are we in in Christ? And then and then now it's so now what? So what do we do as as those who belong to Christ and are becoming like Him? How do we how do we live? And so that's kind of the next three sermons, right? So there you go. That's it. Thanks for joining us today. And this is a great uh, podcast. That's all we needed. I no, I I would love to. So I, I wrote down copious notes on Sunday. Um, one of the things you you said something that I because I know you well enough now I know was off the cuff was not in your notes, um, and and I thought it was it would be a great great podcast fodder if you will. Um, you threw out the statement: "Mission is why we are still here." Yeah. If you'd be so kind, un- unpack that a little bit because well, there's a couple, there's an assumption in there that I think is important. Oh, well, maybe maybe you take the assumption, but I what I meant by that was just this idea that, yeah, like why is it that when we're saved, we're not just immediately transported to heaven? You know, if yeah. we believe what we believe about heaven, that we will be with Jesus, that we will it will be a physical heavens and earth, like we will. We'll live and we will enjoy all the things. It's it's not he doesn't leave us here because, you know, we want to be able to enjoy earth a little bit longer. Like there's nothing there's nothing in eternity that is that would be lacking compared to what we have right now. So um so the question is like why and, and honestly the New Testament church was asking this, like they're going like, Is when's Jesus returning? Like they kind of assumed this is any moment, you know. Surely he's not going to leave us here forever. Now that now that we know, now that he has come, now that we have declared this message, like, um, so the question of like, well, why are we why are we here? And you know, one of our former pastors, um, at one point, asked asked the question. He said, you know, and there's only two things you can do on earth that you won't be able to do in heaven, and one is um, tell others about Jesus, like introduce people to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And the other is sin. And it's, it was very like, it was quirky. Like he was quirky and yeah. he was like, you know, known for folksy little. Well, and then would follow things. that up with, which one do you think God right. wants you to do? That's right. That's right. I totally forgot the punchline of that. Right. Which one do you think God has you here to do? Yeah. So, I mean, but in a sense, there is a reality to that, yeah. that, that yes, while we're here on earth, we are still living in this already not yet. We battle sin and we are given to that. And in heaven, we won't any longer. We will we will be completely free of that. And then the other thing is, is in heaven, obviously, everyone will know Jesus and they will worship him. Now, we will continue to share the gospel in heaven. We'll declare it. We'll proclaim it. We'll rejoice in it. All those wonderful yeah. things. Um but this idea that no God has us here because He has chosen to work through us, like He is. This is how He has determined that He is going to work. He said, "I will, I will bless you, and then through you, 
I will bless all the nations. Through you, I will reach the nations. Through you, um, I will I will build my family. Uh, and I think, um, so we just need to kind of wrap our brains around that idea. I think it's just important to realize like this mission, God's mission that he how he is working in the earth, like that answers, that gives frame, it gives reference, it gives clarity, it helps us prioritize, it answers the question, um, why? Why do I Why do I exist? Which then, of course, funnels down to all kinds of other things in our everyday life. Yeah. So, does that answer the question? Was that the assumption, or what were you What were you saying was the, well, the assumption? Ass- the assumption is that there is a reason. Oh! Right? Like there is, yes. like we don't, how often do we actually stop and go, Hey, I think there's actually a purpose for me to exist. Like, right. I think God actually has an intention for me. He actually has something that he created me for, and there's a reason that he saved me. Um, and there's a reason that he doesn't instantly beam us up. Um, so the uh, the assumption in mission is the reason we're still here is that we should assume there's a reason that we're still here. And yes, and then as you just articulated, this is it. Now I think. I think something that's really important to understand here, usually we don't drop good nuggets like this, this early in the, uh, um, in the podcast, but I think all the way to the end to keep keep you listening. This one I think is really critical that it's your, your purpose. The purpose of a follower of Jesus is not some thing out there that I've got to now go find and figure out. And until I figure that out, I'm like just kind of treading water. Yeah. Like it starts immediately among when you are called and when you follow Jesus, like you are living that out right now, whether you, whether you realize it or not. So my, my point is like, it's not um, like my purpose was not primarily to become a pastor or a church planter. Yeah. That, that, that was not my primary purpose. That's like a playing out of the purpose. The purpose is to glorify my father by following abiding in Jesus being faithful moment by moment and um, reflecting the glory of God and pointing others to Jesus and that I, I do anywhere like yeah. you do at the moment yeah. you the moment God brings you alive you start that process like yes. so I think that's one critical part is when we talk about finding your purpose it's so we live in a culture this living is just such a unique culture and we don't always acknowledge that like this is a we are in a unique point in history and it's not even the norm for the world current like it's not even the norm of the present day world where people like um find their meaning in like what career am i going to choose like the fact that the fact that we have job fairs and majors in college and like that we don't realize like how weird that is in the history of the world and even in the world today most people don't have any choice of really what they're going to do, how they're going to earn a living, how they're going to eat. Like they, they, none of those things are choices. Right. And so what we've done, I think, and and I'm not saying it's bad. I'm not saying it's bad to have the choice. Like you want to become a veterinarian. You don't have to have been raised by veterinarians or been like selected by the town veterinarian to study under them. Like you can go and go do it. Um, I don't think that's bad, but where it becomes dangerous is when we think like when we, confuse God's purpose for us with that kind of thing. Mm, like with that, yeah. like, okay, well, yes. it means I've got to figure out, am I supposed to be, um, am I supposed to go into vocational ministry? Am I supposed to be a doctor? Am I supposed to take this job? Am I supposed to 
Like, what am I, who am I supposed to marry? Where am I supposed to live? Like all those things we talk about, like we think like, okay, I just got to figure out what God's plan is. And we say this all the time that 98% of what God calls us to do is explicitly stated in scripture and is available for you immediately upon you being brought to life. Yes. So that's, I think, important. I would agree that that is very important. Good. Well, good. This isn't, I don't, I don't have, I can't create any conflict here. I don't have no. any like, well, it? what say you to this? Uh, that's, yes, right. I then, think that's well stated. And then out of that can come other things. So you think of Jeff's testimony on Sunday, which I thought was yeah. great that as he was sharing that, um, that it was these moments by moment, moment by moment, it was him being faithful and making disciples and then him feeling that pressure and saying, I feel like God wants me to give more time to this, but I don't have more time to do it. Yes. Then that made him think, well, what would it look like if I freed up that time? So that's different than having like this vocational goal of like, yes. I'm going to go do this thing. And now I got to figure out how to get there. You're doing the thing all along. And then as you walk along in obedience, God reveals like the next step and says, you know what? I want you to, I want you to do this thing over here. I'm going to give you a heart for this nation. And so all this, what you've been doing here of making disciples and glorifying me and being faithful moment by moment as you run your errands, as you, you know, spend time with your friends, as you, you know, raise your family, whatever. Now I'm, I'm going to give you a heart for this nation and I'm yes. going to start leading you yeah. to say, I want you to go do that there. That's very different than saying like, okay, I, I'm, I'm starting, I've got to, I got to figure out what is this big thing that God is having me do? Like he, the big thing that he's having you do is the small things. And we'll talk about that this week, actually more also. Yes. Which, yeah, I think, I think drilling down to the details of that could be really helpful. Um, 30,000 foot. I mean, all, all you, all you're saying, what I keep, what I keep hearing in my head is unless I'm trying to find my identity in, in that thing. And then all of that mm. falls apart, right? Because yep. if, if I'm trying to say, no, 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 but my identity is is in my job, my what that's what's going to determine the kind of person I am or the kind of opportunities that, that I'll have, um, then, then everything you're saying sounds great, but I don't really believe it because there's part of me going, no, 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 but I, I, I need to figure out mm -hmm. if I am a veterinarian because that's, that's going to define who I am as a person. I need to figure out, am I... Am I what kind of person am I? What is what does what identity does God have for me? And I and I view that in a very superficial way that involves the job that I have instead of understanding like the Great Commission is like as you go, right? So if you're wanna be a doctor, sure. Wanna be a teacher? Great. While you're doing that, make disciples of me. Like there there is right. you wanna make tents? Awesome. You wanna Quit your job and be a traveling preacher. Okay, like, like the identity, right. the identity piece is not in in what we do in the sense of like what my job is or what my background is. The identity piece is what we talked about the last three weeks of who I am in Christ and who I am becoming, which I'll find out I can do in just about any context. Which. I, I feel like this is such a it's such a simple thing that we just tend to overlook because how many times have we heard and how many times have we thought this? Well, once I get these things figured out, then I will do this thing that I know God's calling me to do. Yeah. So sometimes it happens in um, sometimes it happens with finances. I hear that a lot. Once I get established financially, then I'll start 
giving to the church. Um, once I learn enough about the Bible, then I'll start telling other people about Jesus. Once I, um, once I get settled in to the church and really like kind of figure out everything, then I'll start serving. And the reality is that the part of the beauty, one of the beautiful things about the gospel is that because it's God's work in us, it's the only philosophy or religion or view worldview where immediately upon receiving it, you are useful and, and you have a, you have a mission and a purpose right now. Yes. Immediately. Immediately. Like you, we've said this before, like, um, in our church plant in Denver, our best evangelists were the people who first, like right when they came to Christ. Right. And you see it in the new Testament. You see it like it's the people who have these encounters with Jesus. They're the ones who are talking the most about it and the loudest about it. And, and I think if we, when we respond to that, we realize, okay, now that doesn't mean we don't grow in our understanding or grow in our faith or grow in our maturity or grow in our capacity to be able to serve or give or whatever. But the faithfulness, the root of all that is the faithfulness and the obedience to just say like, okay, I'm, use me now and to be faithful in the small things and then you'll receive um, greater things. And so that all comes from this idea of like, okay, what is God doing in the world? How does he function in the world? And then just taking, taking part in it. Mm. So yeah, that's good. I, I feel like I'm now, now I'm a little worried that I'm like going too much into next week's sermon. And so then we're going to like, well, but who, who cares? It's this a, is a pre it's a, it's a tease, man. You're teasing. The, it's foreshadowing. The podcast is a, is a bridge. Now, let me ask you a question. I'm going to ask you, what do you think I was thinking? But why do you think I, um, <laughs> <laughs> that seems like it's setting me up for success. Yeah. Well, no, I'm just curious if you were surprised or if you thought it was an odd choice to go to the Sermon on the Mount when talking about the mission of God? I do not. I mean, this is this is one of the areas where you and I are, are aligned, right? So <laughs> you make it sound like that. One of the few areas where you and I, no, no, no. I just, I'm saying like, this is, the, we, we love hearty debate. Yes. Um, and this is one of those where kind of like I did 10 minutes ago in the podcast, my response is going to be, yep, well said. Totally agree. I don't. I don't have much pushback on that. I think. I, I do think it's fair to to ask the question because I think, oftentimes in the church at large, that might be an unusual uh, right. place to go to. But I. But I. Th- I would argue that that's what Jesus is doing there. Jesus is saying, yeah. "I'm sending you out to be this kind of people. These are the people that I am. I am gathering and then sending out into the world, and." Uh, which is the mission, right? To do what he said, to to make disciples, to uh, teaching them all that I have instructed you to do. So, so there is like, why would I not then? If if the the Matthew Great Commission is teaching them all I've commanded you, why would my first place not to immediately then go back to well, what did Jesus command us? Which mm-hmm. the Sermon on the Mount is the most explicit place. I mean, all of the Gospels are filled right. with. With his teaching and his example, the Sermon on the Mount is is probably the most like encapsulated um, summary of of his teaching, and so that should be our that should be our first stop. Of what is it what does it mean to be a disciple and make disciples? 
my first stop should be, well, what did Jesus say that looks like? Which would take me then to the Sermon on the Mount. Yeah, and I think that if you, I, that's why it's so important to understand the big picture of this. Because if you understand, because it's so easy, man, to to be distracted by the chaos, to get worried about what's going on around us, to be concerned about the trajectory. I mean, we, we hear the all of the statistics coming out right now of how many people are leaving the um, the evangelical church and and people getting nervous about that and worried and in a vacuum like if you just told me that like yeah that would that would be disconcerting to me um but when you when you understand how god works how he has revealed that he works through his creation and through his people then you understand then that takes away a lot of that fear and it should take away all of it when he says um you know, this idea that he is redeeming a people, he's setting them on a hill um, so that their light would shine and that people would see their good works and glorify their father in heaven. And he is kind enough to say, like, here are some ways in which you're going to function differently. Like you're going to function as these kingdom people. And when you realize the mission is really like we overcomplicate this, but function as kingdom people and then tell people about the king. And invite them to join in this joy. Yes. It's it's not overly complicated. And so when people say, well, okay, a lot of people like to emphasize the first part. They like to emphasize, okay, so what you're saying is just live as a good person. And that's that's good enough. Nope. Like, no, it's not what I'm saying. I'm not even saying live like a good person. I'm saying follow Jesus. Yes. <laughs> and then... And then other people say like, well, yeah, you want to do that, but you got you to gotta tell people like, yes, but you don't tell people at the expense of functioning like Jesus, because what you're telling them is we are like our, we represent our King. Yes. And so if what you're representing is you're angry and bitter and, um, that you, like one of the things that got cut out of my sermon was talking about just the economies that we are in and how in our culture, um, I was going to go more deeply into in our culture, we have to have power to get things done. Like we have to have worldly power. You have mm. to have, you have to have money. You have to have status. You have to have influence. We talk about us pursuing those things, but the reality is that in our world, if you want to get something done, you have to have those things. Like we we want to have a romantic idea that a president could be elected among the people. Like no, it's the person who has the most money behind them gets. I mean, that's it's that's pretty much always the way it's been. It's people decide this is where we're putting all of our money behind. This is who we're putting our influence behind, and so that person is probably, you know, going to get elected. And um, certainly when it gets whittled down to a few choices, like certainly, we're not having yeah. a general election where I'm able like bill over at the coffee shop. I'm like, that guy's got a good head on his shoulders. Let's, <laughs> let's like see if we can get him there. Like that's not happening. No. And so when we as Christians function in that way, when we say we're about something else, but then we say, but no, we have to have but we also have to have this power. What we're saying to the world is the kingdom is, functions no differently. Yeah, Kingdom functions the exact same way. And what Jesus is setting up in the Sermon on the Mount is, no, we function differently. And that's not weird, right? Like that's throughout the whole Old Testament. Like watch Joshua's battle, pan, battle plan in Jericho, right. Gideon's battle plan. Like God is constantly saying, right. yep, the world would do it this way and we're going to do right. it this other completely different way that looks crazy. <laughs> and why does he do that? So that he gets all the glory for it. Right. So you can't just say, well, sure, 
yeah, you you won that battle, but that's because you had way more soldiers who were way more powerful. No, you have to say, like, yeah, you won that battle, but that's because you blew the trumpets really loud. Like, well, that's nonsense. And so right right now we have this great opportunity where we say, okay, we have this, like, the way as we see Christianity spread where it's being trying to be um where it's where people are trying to extinguish it and it spreads that's what people can't explain if we just have all the power and all the status and we make everybody believe what we believe well then that's that's easy to explain right. that's easy to be like oh well yeah you're like everybody else but historically that ends horribly uh, really? every yes. single time yeah. 100% of yeah. the time that ends horribly yeah, so I think I think that th- I want to make sure we're focusing on that part then, right? So that's why it's important to understand this big picture of the mission, like remembering this is what actually God is doing, because now yes. that gives me clarity and focus. While all that stuff is going around, how I can keep my focus on Jesus? It's not to say that we don't try to influence those areas. It's not to say that well, therefore, don't ever make money because that you know, that's evil and wrong and, and don't get elected into political office and don't, don't use influence or that. That's not the point at all. It's just saying, Hey, be, remember how God works and what he's actually doing and what the purpose of that is. Hmm. That's good. And I think it's such a helpful reminder to, to remember, this is not, this is not a new idea. Right? This is no. not a contemporary idea. This is straight out of Genesis. Like from the very beginning, God's whole plan has always been, I'm calling out a specific people to live differently than every other person and culture around them with the purpose of displaying my goodness and my glory. And like the only difference is that in the Old Testament, that was a specific race of people, right? A, a right. specific lineage of people. And then post-Christ, it's now a people from every tongue, tribe, and nation, right? So it's not one country, it's not one uh, ethnicity, it's not one lineage. The, the lineage is, is that of Jesus. And so it's a, it's a called out people in every single culture around the world who is living in a way uh, that in some ways overlaps with the culture, right? Because in, in India, certain aspects of Christianity look a little bit different than they mm-hmm. do here. And so there is there is a, a bit of overlap, but also in every single one of those cultures, there is there is a greater aspect of it that is significantly counter-cultural, that does not operate at all according to the same metrics, the same goals, the same desires, the same means as the culture around it. And, and that we should delight in that like that shouldn't be something that's scary to us it's something that we should be able to take a step back and go man god is still doing the exact same thing he has always done and clearly it's working because we're still here i'm here right now as a follower of jesus because his plan always works right not because of where where i was born or anything like that it is because christ's plan for his creation for his people is continuing to work and it's working here it's also working in Pakistan, and it's working in Afghanistan, it's working in China, it's working in France. Like, it looks very different in all of those places. But uh, to your point, it, it it spreads and flourishes oftentimes in the places where culturally it's most difficult. It seems most impossible for it to do so because we don't need the culture 
in order, in order to accomplish Christ's end. That's Jesus' whole point is I have a completely different paradigm. I operate in a completely different way. And, and that's, that can be scary, right? Because I, I only know the water that I'm swimming in, right? And so it can feel really scary to say, but how different? Like, right, there are certain things that have to be the same in order to have an impact on this particular culture. And, um, and that's where it starts to get, I think, kind of messy. Would you agree? Yeah, it does a little bit. And I think the key word there is what has to be in place. Yes. And and that's one thing that I always want to be trumpeting is that God needs nothing right. from us. He needs no worldly, earthly circumstances. He needs no, like, and he's sovereign over any of it. So if, if he did need something, he would, he would make it happen and then would cease to need it. He doesn't need it from us, I guess is the point. Like there's nothing that we can offer him that he is unable to um, acquire or make happen on his own. But there is an element, and I I hear this. I, I I want to make sure it's clear. Like I hear this when we're talking about this bigger mission, especially in our current culture of saying, well, but do we, like is it our job to, create a worse environment so that the gospel can spread well no that would be the same problem right like the same issue is like okay no what god needs is persecution and so we have to make sure that we get persecuted that's that's an equally erroneous statement right god god still dependent on the circumstances at that point right it's not that different it's not that different than when we talk about suffering like from a personal level we talk about this a lot like i don't ask for suffering But I also am aware of how God works in his people, how he's worked in my life and how he has worked throughout the history of the world. And I, and what he says about how he works and suffering is a big part of it because it is, and it makes sense in a lot of ways. Like it is in my suffering that I see my weakness. I'm most attuned with my inability to control the world around me. Basically, if the problem is that I think I am God, and I think I can be my own God, then the greatest kindness God can give to me is to show me I'm wrong, is to show me that, nope, you can't you can't do this. You know, like if I'm carrying something and my kid is just holding his hands underneath it and I think, oh, you think you can handle this, so when I'm away, you're going to try to lift this or you're going to try to pull this thing off the shelf. Like I need, I now need to help you understand, nope, I'm going to let you feel more of this weight to say, nope, you, you can't do this without me. Apart from me, you can't accomplish these things. So, um, but God in his kindness knows like there's a, just because he blesses us, he also works through blessing. Like we give thanks, like I give thanks all the time. I give thanks all the time for, um, I, I've mentioned this so many times, I used to feel guilty thanking God for the health of my family hmm. because I'd be like, well, okay, well then am I saying that, that he owes this to me, or I'm right. saying that that I deserve this. Am I saying that this is how God always works? Is you know right. that like He blesses you through a healthy family? No, like I just I'm going to give thanks today right. in all circumstances. And when Paul says give thanks in all thir- circumstances, we rightly point out that means in the midst of suffering because I'm thanking God for who He is and how He is sustaining me through it and what this means for glory. But it also means in positive circumstances and circumstances that I like. Yes. I should also give thanks. Right. I should also give thanks when I enjoy a beautiful day. Yeah. And this was like the most relaxing day I've had in a long time. Like, thank you, God. Right. 
Our Heavenly Father wants us to enjoy his good gifts. Right. He just, he wants us to enjoy them. Like he loves us enough to not let us then worship those gifts. And and so I think in similar ways in our culture, I've said this so many times and I just, I wish people, like sometimes I think people only hear part of it. And like I say, by all means, give thanks that we live in a country that where we have the freedom to gather together and we don't have to worry that we're going to return to our houses being burned down or to our families being imprisoned or our children being ripped away from us. Praise Jesus that that is like, thank you God for putting me in this place. Um, but if you, if he took it away, it would not change at all who he is, his goodness That's and right. what my calling is and what he's continuing to accomplish in right. the world. Yeah, and my calling is to be faithful in the midst of suffering or yes. in the faithful in the midst of blessing. And so if if you own a business and God makes your business really successful, then your call is the same as the person who starts a business and it fails. It is to be faithful and to trust God and to be a blessing to others through how like what he has revealed about himself to you and what he has done in you. What he has done in you, he wants yeah. to do through you. So whether you're the person who can model for somebody else of like, wow, this really succeeded. And so this is how you should function and honor God in the midst of your success. Or you're the person that says, man, I failed at everything. And this is how God is honored in the midst of that and my identity being in him and, and being delivered through that. So whatever, whatever your circumstance yeah. is, like it's a unique, we do have these unique stories that God is using. And when you realize my story is a part of this greater story, and that God, because he is good, folds that in. Like we are testimonies. We are like, it is all contribute. It all creates this beautiful big picture. And we have to understand that like immediately when we are called his children, we are given this place. Hmm. We are given this. So you can change a diaper to the glory of God genuinely. Like you can say, I can rejoice in this. This is my calling. This is, I'm going to be faithful in taking care of my child right now because this reflects something beautiful about who God is and how he cares for us. That's right. You know, I can clean up cat barf. Lauren's gonna be so bummed that I, she's like, that's too much information, but I can clean that up in a way that says like, I'm caring for this. I'm doing this. Like there's nothing, there's an eternal glory and weight that gets added to everything that we do when we see this and understand the mission of God. Otherwise we're left wondering like, ah, when is God going to use me? Maybe someday, Right. Maybe someday God will use me. In the meantime, I'm just grinding out these worthless activities yep. that have no eternal value whatsoever. And that's just, that's not the case. Nope. No. And, and if in the middle of the grinding it out, like some people then retreat and like, hey, good. Like I mentioned on Sunday, like, let me know if you need me. Yeah. But I'm totally happy just in the waiting room. I'll just hang out in the waiting room. Right. And then there are other people who that is, is There's a no expectations struggle. of me in the waiting right. room, right? I can just right. flip through the highlights magazine and. Yep. And and just enjoy chilling out in there, watch whatever's on the screen. I don't nothing's expected of me in the waiting room. Yeah. That's a that's a safe place. And other people then go try to make something else happen yeah. because they're like, I'm not gonna just sit on the bench. Like I'm gonna you're like the football player where the coach has told you like, Hey, you're out you're out of the game right now and you're like, Nope, I gotta do something and you run in there and now you get a penalty because you have too many men on the field and um but so you, so we got to know, you got to know your personality. So that's probably a good helpful tip in this is to understand like, where, where do you, where does this press a little bit on you? Like mm-hmm. there are people who would say, I prefer no expectations. Just let me fly under the radar. I'm good. Yep. There are other people who are like, I can't handle that. I've got to 
do something. And so I'm going to just run ahead of whatever God's doing. And I got to, which then means I'm not being faithful in these, the smaller things that are actually in front of me. Um, And both, and both of those, those scenarios, you can have a, what, what feels like a, a faithful motivation for that, right? Because the, the the timid person Mm. thinks they're doing that because, well, I don't want to do the wrong thing. So it's better to do nothing than to do the wrong thing. And the, and the person who is, who just kind of plows ahead operates with the, well, it's better to, you know, faithfully try something, even if it's the wrong thing, um, instead of dialing back and go, well, let's, let's take some time and see what, what is the right thing? What, what is God actually calling us to? Because doing nothing is not correct. Doing the wrong thing, even with the best of motivation is also not the best. Um, so how do we, how do we live in that, in that tension of, okay, maybe this doesn't look like exactly what I want it to look like yet, but there is faithfulness that I can walk in right now. Yeah. Like I can, and, and, and delight that I can find in, in that faithfulness right now. There are things I'm uh, right now. There are, well, it sounds silly for me saying this because you're listening. Well, obviously because you're a pastor, but anybody can say right now, I can invite people into my context and point them to Jesus. Even if that's just, I've got a pile of leaves that have got to get out of my backyard. Like I can invite somebody into that and we do that together. And we engage in gospel conversation while that's happening. Like I see my neighbor, laboring out there and I just walk across the grass and help them clear their yard and demonstrate and declare gospel truth. Like whatever I'm doing, no matter how seemingly mundane, like that's, that's sacred space. It has right. the potential of being sacred space if I allow it to be. Which should be an encouragement. Cause there's another group of people I was thinking about that who get discouraged. They, they assume, well, God can't use me the way like he's using other people. So I see yeah. how he's using other people and I think, well, I'll never do that. So you, you said like, well, it's easy for you to say you're a pastor. So you're obviously doing that. But if people don't understand, there's, there's that feeling among pastors. Certainly. Like it, forever, you go to a pastor's conference and everybody want to know how many, how many you're running, like how many people are in your church? Hmm. Because the bigger your church was, the more effective you were in the kingdom, the more valuable you were in the kingdom the more good stuff you're doing. And, and so what that would do is it, so what do you do if you're the, if you're the guy pastoring a church of 50 people, like I would go to those things with our church plant and I'd be like, yep, we got like 50. Yeah. And I was feeling yep. really good about that 50 until right. you just mentioned like, Oh yeah, we're running five services and we got 2000 people and, and we're at like four different campuses. And there's that feeling there. And, and, <laughs> what has to happen in ministry is you just realize like, no, I, I'm like you man, your post, like you're a right. part of this bigger mission, this bigger story. The big story is not how big your church gets or how big your ministry is or how big an event you put on or how many people come over to your house when you invite them for, um, you know, for a small group or whatever the case is. It's how faithful are you to what God That's has right. given you in this moment? person in front of you the decision in front of you and it's the the multiplication of those things over time that creates you know other impact well since you've already set the precedent of teasing future sermons in two weeks we're going to be talking about how we measure success in ministry which is really important because when you've got a bunch of people sitting around assuming that the, the metric that we should be gauging success by is how many people show up that that ignores the fact that, well, if that's the metric, then 
Metallica is like among the most faithful of all <laughs> disciple makers because they can get hundreds of thousands to show up to their event and you know follow yeah. all their stuff and listen to every podcast or whatever like it cannot be just like it has to be something other than just attendance that that we're measuring whether or not we're being successful and fruitful and um and we'll be talking about that in a sermon in a couple weeks yeah so i hope i hope what like when i think about okay what do i really want people to get from this past week and as you're going and as you're trying to to make disciples and to be faithful is an encouragement that your your day-to-day life and the opportunities you're given day-to-day have much bigger value and impact than you probably realize and um and so that should add a, a weightiness to our, our lives but also an excitement to saying like this this matters it matters that i'm doing this thing and and that you just be faithful in it instead of thinking like oh man if you want if you're sitting there and you're thinking i i want to be used by god i believe in this mission and i want to be used by god to do big things then the answer in scripture is then be faithful in the small things yes be faithful yeah. right now in what he's calling you to do in this next in the next minute in the next hour and then that will as you're following jesus in all of those small ways they will become bigger things and bigger ways and um, and then just be reminded of like it, we guess we just lose our way when we think, okay, I'm going to accomplish big things for God. Inevitably, whenever I, whenever I'm setting up for that, like I'm going to do something big for God, I'm probably going to go about it in a way that is antithetical or, or the antithesis of the sermon on the Mount, hmm. because mm-hmm. yep. I'm going to function in the way the world functions. Right. Because now I'm gonna, I've I've got to go do the things that the the world does to accomplish the things that I can accomplish in my own strength. And God hmm. just says, I've got something better. You're gonna be countercultural, and so that's why I think it's so important to go back and see through the lens of the Sermon on the Mount, because Jesus is declaring there, and this is how you will function. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. This is, this is these are the people, and and remembering that, yeah being poor in spirit, loving our enemies, turning the other cheek, being subversive in this culture and saying, yeah, I, we don't play by those rules. And you can look, it can look like you're going to, you'll, you'll win this battle, like that evil will win. But he says, you know, we're told to not overcome, like overcome evil with good, to not repay evil with evil. Like all these different ways that the world would say, yeah, do that until it doesn't work. And then you got to take matters into your own hands. Like we have to reject that. We have to reject that. We have to believe that being faithful to Jesus in every given moment is what we are called to do. And, and that God is working it all together for good and is accomplishing his purposes and his mission through the faithfulness of his children as he said he would. Hmm. So be encouraged in that. So if you feel like, if you feel like you see a cultural battle that you're just like, ah, I got to do something bigger. Like, no, the bigger thing is do the small thing. The bigger thing is do the small thing. Right. And doing the small thing is difficult. That's why, that's why so few people do it because it's really hard and it's why we need right. one another. So, um, don't try to don't don't listen if you're encouraged by this and inspired by this and you think yes i do want to follow jesus in the way that he has called me to follow him so i'm gonna i'm gonna 
try my best all on my own. Um, <laughs> that does not, that also does not end well. And so that's, that's why God provides a church. It's why he encourages to not stop meeting together. That's why, uh, that's why we have one another. So uh, link arms with those that you are in relationship with who are also following Jesus and, and talk about how to do this together. And if, uh, if you guys need help or if you feel like, I don't have anyone like that, I don't know who I would even do that with, then please reach out to us. We want to help. We want to get you connected with other people who are following Jesus to walk alongside you in this. Um, we, can't, we can't do this on our own. Okay, I know you're wrapping up. You're totally landing the plane. But I got to throw this in here because just as you're saying that, I'm thinking here's an example. And we can, you can edit this out later if you want to. But I'm just thinking about like how in our church, like we are, you know, the official position of the elders and of this church and what we teach is that we are, we are pro-life. And it, and it matters like because every child is created in the image of God. And as a child created in the image of God, every person has value. Um, regardless of their beliefs, regardless of what they contribute to society. Like this is a kingdom principle that, you know, when Jesus says to go and invite people to the banquet, he says, invite, invite people that they can't pay you back. Like invite, like do these things, like value people who don't have anything to offer you. And so, um, we believe that, and it can be so tempting to be focused on national headlines uh, about that. But the reality is we can be faithful right here. We have ways that we are doing that right now. Like there are ways that you can, you can love your neighbor and point them to this better thing and point them to who God is and who God has created their child to be. You can partner with us with our welcomed ministry and take care of um, orphans who are now in, in foster care. You can take on like welcome a foster child into your home. We, we surround um, foster parents with a community of people who will support them and give them all the support that they need. We have people who volunteer with CASA and are advocates for kids who are in the system. Like being faithful in those small things, are, it matters more. Like God's saying, like be faithful in these things. I, God will take care of the bigger picture things. That that will take care of itself. And and you know, praise God that He is doing that in different ways. And and I pray that 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 would happen. And that's great. But give your most thought and most energy to how can I be faithful today in this? And so maybe you're hearing this and you're thinking like, yeah, that that strikes a chord. Well, then let us know. We want, we need more people to be a part of Welcomed to care for kids, foster kids in this, in, that are in the system who don't have a home. We need more families who are willing to adopt and we want to help you do that. We will help families financially and um uh, relationally and with support systems, we will help you adopt a child. We will help you take in a foster child. We will help you get connected to be an advocate for a kid who needs an advocate. These are, this is just one example of how like, let's, let's be that like, and, and if you're listening to this and you don't go to our church or whatever, then figure out how you can be faithful. I guarantee you that there are things in your community right now where um, people are serving um, the, the people that we know that Jesus tells us we are to care for that, um, that there are people in your community who are serving those populations. And I would guarantee you that they are desperate for volunteers. I just guarantee it. I've never known of a ministry or organization that says, you know, what we don't need is more people who are going right. to take in foster children no, or care for happen. them. It doesn't happen. 
So start there and, and take that step and be faithful in that and see what God does. That's like start living out this principle of being kingdom people right now. And even when we get to that place, if we get to the place where so many people in our church have become foster parents, that the system has run out of kids that need help, then you can join a welcomed care community to help support one of those foster families. So yeah, and just it's imagine not run like, out. So let's say that happened. That is the definition of let them see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Amen. Because when people who, and that speaks so much louder than a Facebook article. Oh, Can we just say that right gracious. now? That if you, if we want to demonstrate in our communities how pro-life we are, like let's adopt all the kids, Amen. and then and then let anybody say that. Well, you don't, you don't really believe that, or you're right. like about like yeah, yeah, we do. We demonstrated that by by this. Like then they will glorify our Father in heaven. So, um, so yeah, let's we can. We can do that, man. Like that's the beauty of this gospel and why God has left us here is he's not saying like, hey, get to work. You guys got go clean your room. He's saying like, I want you to join me in this. Like part of your eternal joy to be full, for your eternal joy to be full, I want you to participate in me gathering all of your brothers and sisters from the ends of the earth together. It's an incredible thing. So I hope that that's encouraging. For the record, I think that was worth the interruption of yanking the on the yoke and pulling that thing back up for another circle. That was that was well worth it. Like, that's that's better than the crash landing where we decided <laughs> to do it again, do the crash landing again. I hope that's encouraging to you, Church. Uh, and again, please don't hesitate to reach out if we can help and serve you in any way, or if you have if this stirred any questions that we can help uh, do our best to clarify. Please reach out. You can you can always find us at connect at uh, at faithpeshtigo.com. And until next time, grace and peace to you.